Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, again, we thank you for allowing us to be here, causing us to have a desire to be here. And uh, Father, may our dependence on you through Jesus Christ get deeper and deeper as we continue on in the life that you have laid out before us. And Father, may we live this life in such a way that we might be able to say in some sense, like Paul did, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the course. Father, that we might have that as our objective as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we commit this time to the study of your word, the application of it in our lives, uh, wisdom in our lives, Father, we ask in, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. We've been looking at uh, the subject of the light of life, which is a uh, exciting thing. And so let's remind ourselves, let's go back to John chapter 8 and verse 12. Again, Jesus therefore spoke to them saying, I am, that's that ego in me, that's uh, a claim, a statement that he is Jehovah. Remember, I am that I am. I am, but then he adds to it, the light of the world. Okay. Then it says this, he who follows me shall not walk in the darkness. We're going to develop that some and see how prevalent that darkness is and why we would need a light. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have, now here's, here's this promise, but shall have the light of life. Jesus Christ said, we mentioned this earlier, you will come to me that you might have life. It becomes clear that uh, when you have him as your life, you become a light really important. And so this whole thing is, I, I, I just bring it down to the personal level. What does it look like for me to be a possessor of the light of life? How does that play out? What can I expect? More importantly, what does he expect of me as a possessor of the light of life? Okay. So, Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 8. We've looked at this multiple times. For you were formerly darkness. As an unbeliever, you were all, you were, I was, we were all part of the darkness. And living in the realm of uh, darkness. And so uh, it goes on and it says, uh, For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That is 
If you have him, you have his life. And if you have his life, you are now a light. God has sent his Holy Spirit to indwell you. He has given you his word uh, to empower you, enable you, give you the uh, direction that you need. And so it says, walk as children of light. We used to walk as what? Children of darkness, children of wrath. Okay? Uh, if you just were to uh, go back to uh, chapter 2, verse 1, and you were dead, spiritually dead. You didn't have life, didn't have eternal life, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirits that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived. What's that darkness look like? Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So then back to Ephesians chapter 5, and now we come down to verse 9. For the fruit of the light. Now here we're getting down to specifics. <laughs> okay, what does it mean to be a light? For the fruit of the light, in other words, that which the light produces, consists in all goodness. That can also be translated moral excellence and righteousness and truth. What a privilege to have uh, these things. But then, verse 10, this should be our motto, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That's really a, that's a powerful thought. And it, and it speaks of an ongoing process. You think of a, a husband and a wife. And it comes down to, if we have two people who are always trying to please themselves, you got trouble. You, know, you can be sure you've got trouble. She wants what she wants, he wants what he wants, and never the two shall meet, you know. It's just, uh, it's a battle, okay? And, and the scary thing is, that's our sinful nature, is to simply, I, I want what I want. And, I, uh, and this is why uh, scripture says, you know, uh, love her as you love your own body. Whoa, that's a little scary. <laughs> Because I really love my own body, I you know I know what it, I don't want to be cold, and I don't you know <laughs> I know how I want to take care of my body, and so Scripture says, well, do, do that for her. Okay. And so now we come to this, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. It's a, it's an ongoing thing, and we ought to be better at it than we were. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? If you can look back 
if you've been saved, uh, let's say 10 years, if you look back five years, uh, made any progress yet? <laughs> you know, uh, I guess it comes down to, um, is this a priority with us? You know, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And um, we, if you've been down this road at all, you know that trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord is going to, from time to time, if not more regularly, take you out of your comfort zone. <laughs> you know, we're, we all have a, this little nice, warm, cozy place, and we don't want to go outside that because, you know, that'd be scary. I've never done that. And, uh, but trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, you can be sure will take you outside of your box. Uh, and, uh, okay. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret, those that are in the darkness. And then it says this, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. And this is such a great statement. For everything that becomes visible is light. The only thing you ever really see is, is the light. You know, the light, your eyes receive the light. And, and uh, uh, okay. But I think it's interesting. How many times have you been in a situation where this has happened to me so much since I, uh, so many times uh, since I, you know, had this more recent cancer. And um, because I'll be in, a, in an office with a doctor or a nurse and I'll start to think, that nurse, I think she's a believer, you know. So, you know, I'll say something and she takes the bait. <laughs> I say, so you're, you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, I am. And let me tell you about my church. This is one lady up there in Seaside. Oh, you would just love my pastors. <laughs> and we have this fellowship right there in the, you know, and I, and I think about in the beginning stages of that, you know what I mean? What is it that lets me know or gives me some inclination up at this, up at this person, this doctor, this nurse, this helper, you know? I mean, it happens at all levels. I've had, I had a guy rolling me down in a gurney, you know, on a gurney, and uh, I get talking to him. He's, he's, he's a believer. He's here. I said, if I remember, he's from Africa, you know? And okay. And so I think about. Now, I don't want this to be, for me or for you, an escape. You know, in other words, well, if I'm light, then, every, then people will know that's all I got to do. No, because we already covered, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord that can all, literally, that's proving 
what is pleasing to the Lord by, by doing it and looking at it in light of scripture. And do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. And if you're in the midst of a group of people, you know, I've said probably too many times, my experience here is, is back in the Marine Corps, you know, and, it, and, and there's a lot of people that are drinking too much and you know, going way over the top, you know, and, and it becomes apparent that, I, I think they're saying, what's wrong with those two? You know, how come they're not part of this? And you're not trying, you're not even saying anything. I don't ever say, no, I don't drink. You know, I don't say that. I just, no, give me this to drink. But, uh, and I'm not saying that's the issue. They can be all standing around telling things that uh, uh, are crude and vile and immoral, you know, and you don't want to be part of that. And, and uh, pretty soon they know. But all things, verse 13, become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Now notice this. I, I believe this is a call to, to salvation if a person isn't saved. For this reason it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead. You're spiritually dead. And then it says this, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk. This is how you please him. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of your time. And, and connect that up with your light. Are you, you know, I, I, it's so indicting. We have, I have so many things that just take my time. I mean, not necessarily, uh, profitable things spiritually you know what i mean just i'm not that they're not sinful it's just that they that they just waste time you know um making the most of your time because the days are evil and we might say look the days are evil is a way of saying there's a lot of darkness going on we need light okay making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish. Implies we could be. But understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that's dissipation. It's a waste. You know, what have you accomplished? But be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another, here's the light coming out, speaking to one, one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, I love it when we sing, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And, you know, I have to say this, you think of the words, you know, of a hymn, you know what I mean by that? The, the, the hymns we sing, are supposed to be talking to us. <laughs> They're not, it's not just a, a, a musical exercise. <laughs> it's the content. And, and people who were extremely concerned about the content of what they were writing in these hymns uh, put the, tried their best to put the content of God's word into the hymns to teach us, to encourage us, to remind us, to refresh us, you know, and, 
And so, uh, but it takes, it takes some discipline, you know? You can just get caught up in the music or you can enjoy the music while you learn uh, and are reminded uh, about the words. Sometimes it's helpful um, to even get a brand new question. You know what I mean? You know, think of, I won't sing it. <laughs> Here I raise mine Ebenezer. <laughs> Remember Moses ha held up, he says, thus far the Lord has helped us, okay? And so you, that's a call to, to realize, you know, the Lord's taken care of me all these years. It's so interesting to think about how um, what we've been through already. And then to have the audacity to worry about tomorrow when we've got this, this whole line of God took me through that, he took me through this, he brought me through here, he brought, and there's hundreds of things that he, that he delivered you in. Why are you here today? You know, I say, to the, long, uh, to the Lord belong escapes from death. How many times that you know of, and more importantly, how many times that you don't know of, <laughs> did the Lord deliver you from death? You know, where, you know, you got out in the car and uh, you thought you had the keys in, the po in your pocket and you didn't, and you went back in the house and got them, and you don't know, but maybe there was an accident you would have been part of and you were really ticked off about forgetting the keys. <laughs> but then, you know, and I'm just, I'm just a, you know, a hardly one watt brain <laughs> trying to have some understanding of how God uh, operates in a way that, uh, uh, that, that, that makes sense to me. Um, okay. All right. And it goes on and it says, Verse 20, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Just if we were to do that, if we were continually doing that, always giving thanks for all things, how many times do we need to be reminded of that? You know, in a week, you know, because there's so many things that, whoa, boy, I don't like this. I don't, uh... I don't want to have to do this again, you know, instead of um, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Okay, then Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, and we're going to start in verse 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, Paul says to the church at Philippi, not as in my presence only, that's a good thing. You know, you think about um, how it's a, a tendency of the flesh to want to look good when somebody's watching. You know what I mean? But if you're by yourself, oh, nobody's around, <laughs> you know. I always remember my dad's, uh, in my dad's factory, you know, if he or one of the other uh, 
leaders in the company would come out into the, in that big, great, big uh, factory part, uh, about 100 yards long, with railroad tracks running through the end of it so I could bring these big machines in. Uh, but you notice how everybody snaps too <laughs> when the boss is out there, but then things settle down when he, they disappear back into the, the offices, you know, to, to run the business. But uh, okay, so Paul says, so then my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, he said, well, you did good when I was there, but now much more in my absence uh, when he's not there. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Where does God? You realize that every one of us here who's a believer in Jesus Christ, this is, this is God's word to you as an individual, to me as an individual. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So if we're trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord, first of all, we want to do what he wills, and we want to work for his good pleasure. And so right away, that, that uh, crosses out the next thing, do all things without grumbling or disputing. How's that for uh, a look at the flesh? You know, grumble um, or disputing. I don't know why I have to do this. What, um, okay. That you, now here's our verse, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless. That's part of appearing as the light, okay? To be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's what we're living in, pretty apparent. And then it says this, among whom you appear as lights in the world. We're in a dark place, and God says, you're light in the Lord. You are appearing here in this dark place, and we're here representing him as lights. Okay, then let's go to Romans 13 and verse 12. Paul says an interesting thing. So if we look at this age or this dispensation that we're in, is it night or day? What is it? And so the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit speaking through him, it says this, the night is almost gone. Which means what? It's still night. Don't forget that. We're living in a time when scripture says we're still in the night. And in the night it's dark. Okay, so then the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Jesus Christ is going to come back. He says, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But now, I say he's still the light of the world, but he's showing that light through what? Through us, through his word. It's a scary thing to think of. I really like flashlights, and I like them to be, to last a long time and be really bright. You know what I mean? And so that makes me, what kind of a flashlight am I? You know what I mean? 
<laughs> you ever, you know, sometimes you pick up some of those old flashlights. Do you know what I mean? They're not that old, but <laughs> you, you, what do you do with them? You know, it's, it's not like what we have today. The light is just puny. And I think, am I like one of those old flashlights? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like uh, it's not quite good enough, but it's the best we got. Uh, all right. So uh, the word says, verse 12, the night is almost gone and the day is at hand. Let us, therefore, lay aside the deeds of darkness. We certainly don't want to be doing what the world's doing, what would please Satan. And then it says this, and put on the armor of light. Another place, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you are light uh, in the Lord. In fact, verse 14 says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. All right, now, let's go back to Genesis. There's a great lesson here. Genesis chapter 1. After God said, let there be light, earlier in the chapter, let's come down to verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. We all understand that. And let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens. Now get this. To give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights. The greater light to govern the day. We would know, of course, that that's the sun. And the lesser light or the moon, and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. And God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. Okay? Now, let's go to Genesis 37. So now we come down to the time of Joseph, and God gave Joseph two dreams. We're going to look at the second one because it applies to what we're looking at. Verse 9, Genesis 37, 9. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he related it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him. 
and said to him, what is this dream that you have had? Now notice his immediate interpretation of the dream. Important. He says, shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? What's, what's Jacob saying? You know what this dream is about? It's about me and mom. I'm the sun. She's the moon. And the 11 stars are your brothers. 12 of them all together. Of course, Joseph is not going to be bound down to himself, so 11. By the way, that's exactly what happened <laughs> in the future. Okay. Now, I want you to think about this. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 7. This is an aside. First Corinthians 11, 7. For a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and the glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man. Now, if we, stick with me here. Um, if we go back to uh, what Jacob said, oh, I'm the sun, your, mom, your mom's the moon, and then there's 11 brothers, the stars. Um, wh where does, this is indicting to husbands, where does the moon get its light? Entirely from the sun. Okay, the sun, and, and I, I read an article, I wish I kept it, but, I read an article a while back about how the, the very surface of the moon is such that it reflects the, the light of the sun. It's just, it just, it wasn't a Christian thing, I don't believe. It was just somebody just saying this, this is what it does. And I, and I think about this, it's always been uh, a challenge to anybody that's thinking about this as a husband. Uh, am I giving any light off that my wife might have something to cause her to glow. <laughs> She's also in the night. In other words, uh, and I think that, you know, sadly there's some, uh, there's some husbands that, they're like a burned out star, you know? There's no light for uh, a wife to uh, reflect and it's, uh, you know, it's a call to us to be what we're supposed to be. This is what it's talking about when it says, and the husband is the head of the wife. <laughs> to do what? To, 
to lead them and to teach them about the things of Christ puts a tremendous responsibility. And, and so often you see what? That it's the woman that's interested in the word, not the man. Tragedy. Tragedy. Do you know? Now I understand uh, it's hard for the guys to come along, but come on. So often the, the woman could spiritually run circles around the guy, you know. It's okay, she's running circles because you were a bright light for her. But at any rate, okay, so, for a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and glory of God. And I'm seeing in here, even though light isn't mentioned, glory is often brought out in concerning light. But the woman is the glory of the man, for a man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. In other words, Adam created first. Uh, and then the rib taken out. For indeed, man was not created for the woman's sake, but woman for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Oh, that's something, isn't it? Because angels are watching. This is, this is way bigger than me and my wife and way bigger than you and your wife. How can it be that God wants the angels watching us, evidently learning from us as we do what we're supposed to do. Therefore, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Okay. Then, let's go next to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. Okay, this is Zacharias. He's going to be the father of John the Baptist. And he's chosen to do the priestly uh, service. And he goes into the temple. And he gets in the temple to do the, uh, to do the service in there. And there's an angel standing there. And the angel is, we find out it is Gabriel, and the angel says that he's going to have a son. His wife's in her old age, and, but they're going to have a son, both of them. And it's just amazing to him, okay? So you, you can look at this on your, on your own, but this is, I, it shouldn't make me laugh, but it does. So he says to Gabriel... How do I know all this is true? Now, now think about it. You're in the temple of the Lord, and there's an angel standing there talking to you. And Gabriel says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And to me, it's like, you know, in, in terms of today, are you kidding me? that you're questioning. So at any rate, the, the angel says, well, because you didn't believe, you're not going to be able to talk until the child's born, okay? On the day comes, he's born, and they ask him what his name should be, and he gives them the name that uh, was given to him by the angel. And, and this is what he has to say. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. His mouth has been opened and prophesied, saying. So he's going to say something that 
God wants us to know. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Remember a horn as where the animal uh, ex uh, exerts or brings to a point all of his power uh, and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. How's that for today? To show mercy toward our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which we swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Now get this. And you, child, speaking of John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. And notice verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise from on high shall visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit. I think, what is that talking about? John the Baptist... He was a fierce individual. He, uh, look, at, look at how he, where he lived. And he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. He dressed in uh, uh, leather. He um, ate honey and locusts. This is not your normal guy. <laughs> and he has... He has nothing to do with the religious system of the day. That's important to realize. And apart from that system, he comes in as a prophet, and he's this powerful speaker in the power of the Holy Spirit uh, directing people uh, to Christ. But he talks about Christ as what? The sunrise from on high. Go to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi 4 and uh, verse 2. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness, S-U-N, will rise with healing in his wings. That's what Zacharias was prophesying. And you will go forth, you Jews will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall when the Lord comes back at his second advent. Go to Numbers 24. Numbers 24, and we'll come down to verse 15. Now, background here. Balaam has been hired by 
Moab, the king of Moab, to come out. The Jews have come out of Egypt, and wherever they go, they're victorious. And it scares this king. He's just terrified. So there's this man that's a, certainly a prophet, but not a godly prophet, a man that uh, works for Satan. So Balak, who's the king of the of Moab at this time, tries to hire Balaam to come and curse Israel. He says, our only chance is this is a spiritual issue, and we got to get him cursed by some powerful entities, probably uh, demonic uh, ent- entities. But I want you to see what he, what he said in his last discourse. All of them were great. Verse 14, and now behold, I'm going to my people. He's going back to where he lives. And I will advise you what this people will do to your people in the days to come. That already doesn't sound too good, what they're going to do to you. He's been hired to reverse it and what you're going to do to them. No, I'm going to tell you what they're going to do to you. And so he says, and he took up his discourse and said, the oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the oracle of the man whose eyes is opened, the oracle of the man who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, uh, falling down yet having his eyes uncovered. And there's the verse, verse 17. I see him. He's really talking about Christ. He doesn't know that. I see him, but not now. Behold, I behold him, but not near. And then he says this. A star shall come forth from Jacob. And in, in what we've been looking at, what is our sun? It's a star, okay? And so he's talking about Christ, and he says, a star shall come forth from Jacob, from the lineage of Jacob, and a scepter, the ruler's uh, symbol, shall rise from Israel, and then he says this, and shall crush through the forehead of Moab, How could you get any more different than what he was hired to do? He says, there's a star that's going to rise, speaking of Jesus Christ, and he's going to put a a scepter, his rulership, he's going to crush your head. That's powerful, powerful things. But I just wanted you to see that Jesus Christ is presented in Scripture as the, the sun that rose. From our perspective, he already rose. And now I want you to think about this. Husband and wife were the bride of Christ to be. He's the son. We're still in the night. What do we need? The light of the moon. We reflect. He says, you're light in the Lord. We reflect his light in this dark, dark time. 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all, we believers with unveiled face, are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Oh, how we need that. 
are being transformed into the same image. He's the light. Now we're being transformed into that image from glory to glory, from his glory uh, to our glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. I'd like to link that all together with he's the light, he's the sun, we're the moon, we're still in a dark place until he comes back and we represent him, the moon to light the night. Okay. Father, may these things uh, resonate with us, be real to us. Most importantly, Father, may they affect how we live and uh, how we please you. And so we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen.